This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome back to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Fifth time lucky there for us, I think, with dropping the screen, but we will get started in the end. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Ian Doyle, Paul Ghost and Theo Squires with me to talk Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino and Watford, and then take a look ahead to that visit to the Wanda Metropolitano to take on Atletico Madrid. We'll go chronologically though, and that means starting with that 5-0 victory away at Watford on Saturday. An excellent result and an excellent performance from the Reds. Goody, I'll come to you first on it. Was this a case of it being a five-star Liverpool performance, a zero-star Watford performance, or something of a, a combination of the two? Um, well, it was certainly a minor-star uh, Watford performance. I thought Watford were absolutely awful, to be honest, about the last 20 minutes. But... We've all seen games where somebody's been awful for one half or 60 minutes or whatever and they've not been put away and the other time then they've come back into it. But Liverpool just did did a very good job on them, played very well. It's difficult to, you can't think of a single player who didn't play, you know, at least uh, did the ratings, didn't I? At least a seven for everybody, even the subs, that they all, all contributed. They all, it was a good confidence booster for a number of players. Think of Virgil van Dijk, he had a couple of tough games before the international break. He did well, obviously Roberto Firmino got his hat-trick. That's what's that, five goals in three games for him now. Sadio Mane got his 100th uh, Premier League goal and, and, and Mohamed Salah got a tap-in. So all in all, you know, for everybody, it was, uh, you know, look at James Milner, for example. James Milner, he, he was in, back in central midfield. He had had a tough one, had he, against Manchester City, playing at right back up against Foden. And he was back in a position that he'd regard more, uh, you know, more comfortable in. And then he puts in a great performance and you know, Jordan Henderson played well as well. So in that respect, it was good that confidence was rebuilt, should it have needed to have been, you know, for a team that have, before the game had gone, what was it, 19 games unbeaten? But yeah, Watford, I think Claudio Ranieri said it, didn't he, before, after the game, he said that we were really nervous in the first 10, 15 minutes. By then, Liverpool 1-0 up could have been about three. At half-time, just before half-time, you were thinking, oh, 1-0 doesn't... You know, this could come back and bite them, but you know, 2 0 just before half time, it was 4 0 before the hour, and you know, the game was done by then. But yeah, Liverpool, what is that now? Is it seven games away from home where they've scored three goals uh, in each one? I think it's a, I think it's a record, certainly. I, th- I think Liverpool had the record anyway, they just beat their own record. So, all in all, it couldn't have been much better. No one got injured, and, and nobody mentioned the fact that Alisson wasn't there, Fabinho was, wasn't there either. Yeah, we'll come on to that a little bit later on. There's you know, plenty of, of positives, plenty of moments of quality, Gorsi, but none bigger, I don't think, than the goal from Mohamed Salah. He was asked immediately after the full-time whistle whether it was better than the Manchester City goal. What do you think on, on that one and, and how impressive was he once again? I don't think it was as good as the City goal purely because the size of the fixture and the uh, importance of the goal, really. You know, that, you know... It's kind of the head-to-head title rivals at Anfield and obviously it ended up being a draw, but, you know, had they not scored that, Liverpool might have lost or whatever. But this was the fourth in a 5-0 win against a pretty dreadful Wofford side. But, um, you know, aesthetically they were both, both brilliant, weren't they? Not, not too much to choose from from the kind of aesthetics alone. But I always think you factor in the... The magnitude of the game and and the the players you're playing against when you look at you're talking about what goal was better, but it's uh, it's going to be some goal of the month or goal of the season competition for for Salah when he when he ends this season he's going to look back on uh, what's he up to now he's got ten um, I think of about three or four off the top of my head already where you think they are superb goals and 
Uh, there was an interesting stat from Andrew Beasley after the game that kind of looked at the amount of goals that the front three have scored as a whole across each season with, with the amount of minutes played at the same point. And I think I think they've got nine more now than they did in 17-18 when he finished with 91 between them. Uh, and that's probably some people still think that Sadio Mane is nowhere near top gear and people are still think that Firmino is fine on his feet. They've obviously got Jota bringing up the rear as well. I think he's on three or four himself. So, um, as an attacking force at the moment, Liverpool have really looked better on the game club. I think they've scored 33 goals in 11 games. Obviously, the mathematicians amongst us know that that's three a game and, and that is a world away from last season when Liverpool were struggling to score around field. I can't remember this stats off the top of my head, but they went a remarkably long time without scoring from open play between December and March or April time, it really was something stupid. So, um, yeah, it looks like everything is rosy at the moment for the pool. And amidst all of that, Theo, obviously the hat-trick for Roberto Firmino, slightly overshadowed by the performance of Mohamed Salah, as we've said. But both Jurgen Klopp and Virgil van Dijk keen to praise the Brazilian this afternoon, and, and rightly so as well. It was a, a really good performance, not just the three goals, but a really good showing from him. Yeah, it was. And it's one where it's probably the easiest hat-trick Liverpool players scored since Dirk Kout versus Manchester United all those years ago. But with Firmino, it's, you want to see him getting the goals. You need to be in the right place and time the runs correctly and be in the right place to get on the end of it and get the goals. And it's what he's been missing at times in the past couple of years, where he's maybe been dropping a bit deeper and not been right in that engine zone in the, in the six-yard box, getting on the end of things. It's why people have said Liverpool maybe need another striker to show that knack in front of goal. It's why Diogo Jota was a breath of fresh air last year because he was throwing himself into the mix and getting on the end of things. But Firmino, he's definitely got a bit more life in him this year. Whether it was just he missed the fans that much last season and now they're back, it's given him a little bit more or it's something to prove. Because even in pre-season, he was looking like this is some spark there. He's got something a bit back. Uh, he started the season not his first choice. Uh, the injury against Chelsea came at a wrong time. But when he has played, he's looked sharp. And now come, came on against Porto. He got his couple of goals. Got a deserved start here against Watford. And he's got his hat-trick. Um, it's still a debate, isn't it? Who is the first choice Liverpool uh, striker at the moment? Is it Jota? Is it Firmino? I'm still thinking Firmino's the strongest one just because he links up so well with Salah and Mane. Granted, Jota maybe is still more of an attacking threat. But what their overall package is, you can't beat the front three. And it just opens up the debate on contracts even more because you think, well, Liverpool can't, surely they can't keep the front three until they're all in the mid-30s on huge wages. But at the moment, which one can you get rid of? Because Firmino's never relied on pace, is he? It's always the, the speed of how he plays the game up in his mind. And that's not going to go overnight. He could still, now he's got this, if he's got this talent back and he can still be doing this for another three, four years easily. Salah's superhuman and he's proven that. So are you going to be in a case where Sadio Mane is still scoring goals? He gets that fire in his belly back as well. And they're all delivering these high standards right up until their mid-30s. It's a dilemma for the club, but it's one I'm sure Jürgen Klopp is loving, especially when you've got the, the extreme of last season when they couldn't buy a goal to all of them, even when they're out of form a little bit, scoring goals for fun. Of course, you mentioned earlier on, Donny, about Sadio Mane's performance. I think it's fair to say he's not quite been at his absolute peak for a little bit, but he does have six goals in 10 games already this season. So is there a point where you just say, well, if you're scoring that many goals, it kind of doesn't really matter if you're not at your best in, in the other elements of your game? Well, he's a forward, isn't he? So 
there's been many a thought he's had a rubbish game and then they've scored one or scored two and everyone just remembers the goals. That happens all the time. So I don't think there's anything unusual <clears throat> with anybody thinking that. I think with Mane's goals as well, I think right. I think he's had the first goal. He got the first goal against Watford, the first one against City and the first one against Palace. So he doesn't score like a couple of goals at the end. His tend to be important ones. That's partly because he's, he's on from the start. Um, I don't think there is a first choice striker. For, for Liverpool, I just think they're going to pick depending on who they're playing and who's in form. And the fact that Jot has come in now, and don't forget, by the way, that Origi has played, was it two or three games? And he's had one goal. Did he score? I can't, I can't no, really score. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's had a goal and assist. And Minamin has played one game and scored twice. So these are the, these are the other two forwards we haven't mentioned. So everybody there at the moment is actually a, they're delivering when they're being asked to. So you can't ask for much more than that. In terms of Mane, yeah, he's probably not been at his best, but he's a lot better this season than he was last season. And even then, if you actually look at it, the last 10 games of last season, Mane, for me, and Firmino were the two who actually stepped up when Liverpool needed to, you know, get some important goals. They Towards the end of the season, they were, you know, Firmino got two at Old Trafford, didn't he? So there was that Mane got the two against Palace. You know, there were some important goals. Salah actually didn't score quite as many as you would have thought during that time, but that's what happens when you have these these players. I mean, Jota missed a few games as well, didn't he, in that time because he was injured. So, yeah, I think I think looking at Liverpool, they can't really ask much more of the forwards that they've got there. I think Firmino's benefiting from the fact that he's not playing all the time. I think uh, you know, I thought I thought Theo was going to sell after the forward line. Then, by the way, <laughs> I was, not I feared that's where that was going. Then uh, we've done this quite a few times, but yeah, I think for me, I think part of the reason they're not that well, not. The, the prioritised Salah's contract is obvious, isn't it now? Because he's quite clearly the best player in the world. That's why they prioritised it. And once they get that sorted, they'll have a look at what they can do with the other two. I think Firmino will stay as long as he wants. Man is slightly different to be up to him what he wants to do and what a position that is for the club to be in. You know what I mean? They got. The, I mean, I've written in the past that you look at strike duos in the world, ever, anyone, for any club, they tend to last three, maybe four years. You think a Russian dog leash, you actually, actually look at that. And then I think they were together from about 1980 one slash two to about 1985 slash six because Dalglish was kind of dropping out of the team then because he was the manager. What was it? Um, Gerard and Torres was that about two seasons possibly, if that. You know, look at yeah, look at other clubs. You know, like Shearing uh, and Shearer and uh, Sutton was was two seasons was it at Blackburn? I'll go back a little bit here. You know, you, you look at United's front forwards of what was it? Ronaldo, Tevez, and um, Rooney. Rooney. How many, how many scenes did they play together? Two, possibly. It wasn't many. And yeah, this is this is three players who are still playing together after you know four and a bit seasons, and they're still having games where they're scoring all of them are scoring in, in the same game. So that that is unusual, and that's why Jota coming in is an evolution on it. I think possibly somebody else you'd think will come in next season, then we'd see a bit more of what's going to happen. But for now, why? Why bother to analyse it a bit too much when they're just all playing particularly well and Liverpool are scoring so many goals? Yeah, just before we move on to Atletico Madrid then, we did speak quite uh, at length on Alisson and Fabinho on, on Friday's podcast, Gorsty, but I suppose the fact that we didn't even notice that either of them were missing for this one maybe says something about Liverpool's squad depth this season. It does, yeah. Um, I mean, Liverpool could have had anyone a goal, really, couldn't they? You know, Cueven Keller made a half-decent stop in the second half and then another one, which was a really good one later on. But, you know, with um, Echo FC had their goalkeeper in there, you know, Watford might have scored. Liverpool's still going to win that comfortably because 
he was just so dominant for anything from start to finish. So um, you were never really going to miss Allison once you kind of weighed up the pattern of the game inside the first 15 minutes. Fabinho was probably a little bit of a different one because he's um, he's, a, he's probably Liverpool's best midfielder, isn't he? You know, he's the one who probably combines a little bit of everything in there. Um, and he's, he's a world-class defensive midfielder. But, yeah, this is why Liverpool have got the, the squad that they've got. I mean, a lot of people say that it's not... It's not. Um, it hasn't got the depth of others, but um, I think aside from maybe another additional option up top, I think there's not too much to grumble at in terms of the Pill squad. Um, maybe having Milner at right back at times isn't ideal, but he's not going to be playing there for 15, 20 games. Is he's just going to fill in now and again? Um, and there's a lot to be said for Navigator. He came in and, and I thought he was excellent. Um, only his fourth start of the season, his first one since Burnley um, back in August. So it was a little bit of a um, gauntlet thrown down to him to go and make the most of the opportunity that was there in the absence of Cater and Jones and Fabinho. And, and he's certainly given Klopp a lot to think about. So, um, yeah, it was a good game for him. And um, I, say, I think Liverpool generally are, are fine in terms of the squad depth. You know, just just looking at that that forward line, perhaps there is an element of not replacing Shakiri, but at the moment Liverpool are scoring left, right, and centre, so they're making those critiques look a bit hollow at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, it certainly wasn't the worst way to begin a week of big games for Liverpool, Manchester United to come at the weekend, but a trip to Atletico Madrid before that. And we'll preview that game against Diego Simeone's men next. Theo, I'll come to you first on this one. Jurgen Klopp was very, very quick to praise the job that Simeone has done at Atletico Madrid today in his press conference, even if he did admit he doesn't quite like the style of play. And I suppose that's a pretty fair assessment that, that most people would agree with really on them. Yeah, it's been the Atletico way for must be, what, a decade nearly now. When you think they've won a couple of La Liga titles, they've got to a couple of Champions League finals. It's not pretty to watch at times. Uh, It's nitty, it's gritty. They'll get in your faces, elbows out, and then they'll go under pressure. They'll dive and stuff under minimal contact. But it gets the job done. And you can see why Klopp doesn't like watching it play. It's not particularly a game anyone likes to watch play. It's why it would be one of the teams that Liverpool want to face least in the Champions League. Like As soon as you see Liverpool facing Atletico Madrid, you roll your eyes and say, oh, not them again, because you know how horrible it's going to be because of how they play. But as Liverpool found out a couple of years ago, they get their job done. They know how to get the results. And that's why it's going to be such a tough game for Liverpool uh, going to Madrid tomorrow. Um, they're going to have to be at their very best, which they weren't a couple of years ago. It's going to be important that they've got key players back uh, we know how costly not having Allison at Anfield was a couple of years ago. And it's just one way. Do you resort to their standards? Do you have to just take a, a draw or win by one goal? Or have you still got enough about you to play your own game and outplay Atletico Madrid, not fall into their tactics and to win matches? I suppose it's similar to um, peak Mourinho teams over the years where it isn't prettiest to watch, but it's effective. And you're just hoping that football can come out on top. But that's not from taking anything away from Atletico Madrid. Simeone has been there for so many years now and done a successful job. Granted, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't the giants that they used to be, but it was still an incredible achievement from him getting the, the Liga title last year, bringing in Luis Suarez and scoring goals for fun there. Uh, they're definitely one of the most feared teams in the Champions League. They're not going to be favourites to win it anytime soon. But if you're talking about an underdog coming out on top, 
it's always going to be Atletico right there in the conversation. Yeah, we all know what happened last time Liverpool played Atletico Doyle. Would a draw be a, a good result, do you think? Obviously, it's a, a double header now against the, the Spanish side. Liverpool in a decent position in their group. Can they afford to go into this one thinking that a draw wouldn't be the worst result? Well, yeah. Every team has won all six games in the Champions League group. Hardly ever happens. I think if Liverpool get a draw here, they've got one foot in the next in the knockout stages, as far as I'm concerned. I think it would be, you know, keep the if, if you look at the positives from a draw, well, they, for a start, they'll have already defeat. They look, and Atletico wouldn't have won. So there'd still be two points, I think it's two points, isn't it, ahead of them. And they, they'd keep that unbeaten run going. Confidence wouldn't be affected. And they'd feel a little bit better after what happened last time when they were there, when, when me and Ghosty were there and they got beat 1-0. And did they have a shot? I can't remember whether they had a shot. I think Henderson had one wide, didn't he? I think in the second half. I mean, that's going back a long time now. So... <laughs> You know, <laughs> my mind's not what it used to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think I think what Liverpool won't do is play for a draw because they can't. They don't know how to do that. I think they tried it very early on in, in uh, Klopp's reign, Villarreal, didn't they, in the semi-final of the Europa League and got beat 1-0 right at the end. And I think he just thought after that, I'm not doing that again. And they never really have, to be honest. I mean, there have been games where they've put on the back foot. Weirdly, I don't think that's going to be one of these games purely because of the way Atletico play. I think Atletico will be quite happy if Liverpool start com- coming, going at them from the start. But I think Liverpool will be a bit too cute, a bit too clever for that. <clears throat> I think Atletico and Madrid, by the same token, they'll think a draw is a good result for them. If they can both... It's, it's this weird thing, isn't it? Liverpool lost to Atletico away and the one at home. It's better than drawing both games. It'd be better for both of them. And I don't know, you know, obviously teams don't agree on these kind of things. That would be ridiculous. But... <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they'd take that. But a draw, as I say, it would keep them unbeaten. I'd, as I said, they, I don't think they can play for it. I think Atletico, a lot will depend on what Atletico want to do. They're the home team. They'll have the big crowd behind them. If they want to do a strong start, like they did actually in the last game where they got the goal very early on and then defended it, you've got to bear that in mind. It, it's the fact that they scored really early on that kind of shaped the way the rest of that game went. I can see it being as it's been every single time I've been out there. It's been tight. I think it's been... 1-1-1-0 and 1-0, three games that I've seen him play against Atletico. I think Simeone's been in charge of up. I think not all, not quite all of them. Weirdly, going back to Watford, I think it was um, Sanchez Flores, was it? He was the, he was the Atletico Madrid manager in 2009-10 in the uh, Europa League semi-final. I think it was him. Anyway, it was one of the Watford managers anyway. So pick from about 50. Um, so I think Liverpool will, well, weirdly, this isn't the biggest game this week. I know we'll get onto the teams in a bit. I think there'll be loads of changes. I just think it's it's one where they're just going to have to tick it off and, and hope they don't get, you know, suffer a result or injuries that's going to damage them further down the line. And of course, Atletico Madrid ghosty means there'll be a reunion with Luis Suarez. We've got to talk about him. He's 34 now, but still scoring at a rate of one in two this season. I think it's five goals in 10 games. He's not the only danger man, of course. They've got plenty of good players, but without doubt, the one with the biggest narrative attached to him. And of course, yeah, no, no question about it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see him scampering, scampering away for Atletico Madrid. Won't it? I think, um, I think thirty-four now is no kind of barrier to to, to brilliance if you're a, a top-level player. Look at Lewandowski; he's thirty-three. Messi's thirty-four. Ronaldo's thirty-six, and, and Ibrahimovic was forty this month. So um, if you look after yourself and you, you stay off the injury table, which we know Suarez does, then. I think if you're dedicated, you can play well into your 30s now. So uh, he's going to be 
at pretty much the same level he always has been. Um, I think he scored the winner, didn't he, against Milan in the last round of fixtures with a penalty, one of the last kicks of the game. So, yeah, Liverpool will have to um, be on the metal for him. And it's going to be interesting seeing how he comes up against Van Dijk. Obviously, we know he's played against them before for Barcelona, didn't he? And he scored in the new Camp and didn't have too much of an enjoyable time in the second leg. But um, I just think... Um, might be a little bit of a different type of player that Van Dijk's used to playing against, but I think that might same might be said for Suarez as well. I don't think he'll have come up against too many defenders like Van Dijk. So that's going to be an interesting battle to keep an eye on. And let's just hope um, he has a little bit of an off night. With Mohamed Salah playing so well at the moment, Theo, there's been a bit of chat around who was the best forward at the peak. Is it Salah at the moment? Was it Suarez in a Liverpool shirt, perhaps? Where do you sort of stand on on that debate? And has Mohamed Salah sort of eclipsed what Suarez did for Liverpool, do you think? At Liverpool, most definitely. Um, Suarez what, won the League Cup. Salah has Champions League, he has Premier League, he has the FIFA Club World Cup. Salah has stayed at Liverpool longer. He's done it over a consistent period. And it's one where Suarez stood out in a poor team. And that is both uh, an achievement for him and it held him back a little bit as well. And it's one where well, you give him all that praise, but he didn't really have anyone there competing with him to be the star man. Like Steven Gerrard was on the decline. It took him leaving for Coutinho to reach another level. Sterling obviously didn't hang around long enough to show what he could do. And that was when Sturridge broke down with injuries. Whereas you look at this Liverpool team now, it is just world-class player after world-class player. And they've all gone on this journey together, winning trophies, all had their moments to shine, the time in the, the limelight. And then Salah's just reached this new level entirely. Um, it is hard to compare them as how they play because they're very different players, aren't they? Like Salah is this inverted forward, whereas Suarez was always central. But they both score a lot of goals. They both get fans off their seats. They're just so exciting to watch. Um, and I think if you're looking at the record books, Salah's always going to be the one that Liverpool fans will love more when we're looking back. Like Suarez, he had, what, 18 months where he was just incredible and he could have been one of Liverpool's greatest legends if he'd stayed, but Liverpool were in a very different time to where they are now. He went to Barcelona, and I think it was Jamie Carragher who said for three or four years he was the best striker in the world, starting with the first, uh, the last year at Liverpool, and then he was with Messi, Neymar at Barcelona. Barcelona got to enjoy his best years when he was winning the Liga titles, when he was winning the Champions League. It's great for him. Liverpool didn't get to enjoy that. Salah they've been able to enjoy and whether he signs a new contract or not they're still going to get another couple of years out of him and I'd like to think they're going to get another Premier League or Champions League out of him as well like Liverpool's best years in the modern history have been Salah in the front three so if you're a Liverpool fan you're talking about who's the better out of the two it's got to be Mohamed Salah and you think well Suarez is doing this now 34 yeah it's a slight decline well if you're getting Salah doing this for another five years there's no debate at all is it Salah by far Salah, Salah's also not tried to eat any of the opponents as well <laughs> The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, always a big factor. Certainly in terms of, of longevity at, at Liverpool, Doyley, there's, there's no doubt, obviously, Mohamed Salah has, has done it for longer. But purely in terms of their quality at the time, is there a debate to be had, do you think? Or, or are you one way or the other? Well, there's only one player who's in the best ever Liverpool team that I've ever seen, and that's Salah. So I think that answers your question. And I think he was, he's not, wasn't, wasn't here this year. In terms, sorry, I'll rephrase that. He wasn't just put in it this year. He was in it last year. In fact, he was in it 18 months ago. He's been doing this for what? Four and a bit years. 
I can't remember how many goals he's got. Has he got hundred and forty or something something daft like that? He's got a lot of goals. Um but yeah, it's not just that, it's his assist as well. I mean Suarez, let's be perfectly honest, Suarez for them 18 months as Theo said it was just ridiculous. It was like he was scoring goals where you just thinking, how's he just done that? And it's very, very unusual to see a player. Say in my time watching Liverpool, which is a bit longer than any of you, I can tell you now, but it's very unusual, even when they were absolutely brilliant in the in the eighties. There's probably only to be honest, probably only John Barnes then that you go like he scores a goal and you're like, How's he just done that? You know, and and you could argue possibly McManaman during the nineties. He, he was he was he was very much an underrated footballer, certainly for Liverpool by the end. Uh and then you've got Gerard Suarez Salah. I think they're they're the ones, they're the main ones. Salah, you know, he's done it twice in a couple of weeks. Sometimes to be honest, I'm surprised Gorsty's not mentioned apparently my reaction to when Salah scored his goal. I'm, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that's true. <laughs> no, I was flabbergasted by it. Normally Doyle is the uh the prim and proper press box kind of operative and doesn't doesn't cheer, shout or or bemoan anything, which is which is how you should do it really. Professional, aren't you, Doyle? Yeah, ninety nine point nine nine percent clearly. Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never, never seen you um, straddle the line into fandom. But when, when, when Salah scored, it was just a, uh, what I don't know. Really, you just kind of just went, oh yes, like you, you were completely <laughs> commentating on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, obviously, Mott, but John Watson and Barry Davis were there, so I was inspired yeah, by them clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but I think it was just. I think that probably speaks to how good the goal it was. You know, it's. It, it it got you uh, took you out of your out of your comfort zone and you, uh, <laughs> you yeah, it, gave me, it it provided me with an emotion. I did I had to go for a lie down after that. I didn't I didn't quite understand what was going on. <laughs> so that's a game you um, actually enjoyed as well, unlike the Man City one, which you could barely watch. Well that's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I did see the goal then though, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was a, a goal that got more than just Liverpool fans excited. But of course, it's not just Luis Suarez that we have to talk about. Obviously, João Felix, Jan Oblak, Antoine Griezmann, plenty of, of other big names for, for Atletico Madrid as well. Is there anyone in particular that you're looking forward to watching on Tuesday? Uh, well, I think Oblak's going to do well, isn't he, to repeat his performance from, uh, from that night 20 months ago? It was, you know, a, a top class. Goalkeeping display, and you know he's, he's been one of the elite goalkeepers in world football for the last five years, so hasn't he? Um, Joe Felix, I think, is, is an interesting one. I was really looking forward to watching him play when when we last went over, and remember him doing a whole lot, um, hundred million pounds, and he's still only what twenty twenty one, something like that. So um, be interesting to see how he's he's kind of coming along in, in his career, and obviously Griezmann. Um, Bit of an absolute shocker of a transfer for Barcelona, but he's you know if he's back to that kind of form that he was at while he was at Atletico, then Liverpool are going to have to be really wary of him as well. So yeah, you know it's it's a strange one, but Atletico Madrid. I think Klopp kind of pointed to it. He he said they kind of marry like a top top class um, individuals with a, a little bit of a battling, scuffling style, and and it just makes them so difficult to play against, doesn't it? They, they utilize all the all the dark arts you like, and, and you've got top class players to go with it. So um, it's it's just a little bit of a almost a unique mixture for an elite European team, and it, it's going to be a really tough one for Liverpool. And as you asked earlier, would Liverpool take a draw? I think they, they most definitely would tomorrow night. Yeah. 
Yeah, Atletico Madrid had a, a game off this weekend as well, Theo, so they could get players back from quarantine, giving them a, a little bit more time to prepare for this match as well. Jurgen Klopp said the other day, I think that it's not something we'd ever see in England. And to be honest, I suspect La Liga probably quite keen to protect their four Champions League spots after a bit of an underperformance in terms of their coefficient of late. But how much of an impact do you think that will have on this match? Is it at advantage Atletico in that regard or, or will it not matter a huge amount, do you think? Um, not really sure what impact it will have on Atletico, but I definitely feel more comfortable with Liverpool going into it, having played a game. Like we know they can sometimes be a little bit rusty off a break. They need that momentum. And granted, they didn't show any rustiness against Watford, but Atletico Madrid away is a very different challenge entirely. So you want them to have a little bit of form, a little bit of momentum going into it. And this is what that will give them. Um, granted, there are going to be rests for the whole Atletico Madrid squad. But Liverpool, they've still got Fabinho to come back into there. Um, Diogo Jota, he's had a rest at the weekend, hasn't he? Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson came off after, what, an hour, was it? So Liverpool managed to save some legs themselves. They've still got options there. And you have faith in them being able to get the job done if they're at their absolute best. Um, with Atletico Madrid, they're still in a quite a, a tight La Liga title challenge already, even with Barcelona struggling down in mid-table. Um, we know the talents they've got. We've already mentioned them all. They're professional players have been doing it business for year after year. Like Luis Suarez is still doing it at 34 years of age. Antoine Griezmann's been doing it for years as well. Doesn't make much of a difference, does it, to them? Like if they have a few extra days off, like they're all still playing international football, travelling all over the planet last week. Just doesn't make much of a difference. Like it's not really any different to the Brazilians playing that game, was it early hours of Friday? It's only 24, 48 hours from not having a game. It shouldn't have too much of an impact on the game. But I definitely feel more confident with Liverpool actually having had that match going into it to hopefully uh, get a bit of rhythm going. We've seen Jurgen Klopp make a few sort of unexpected changes during the, the Champions League so far. Divock Origi, for example, uh, against Milan Doyle. We'll come on to selecting our teams for the game very shortly. But are you expecting a few changes or, or do you think because it's a Tuesday-Sunday uh, turnaround to, to Manchester United, it, it's a case for maybe not making that many changes because there is that time to, to kind of recover from this one? Well, there'll be at least two. Alisson and Fabinho will be there. Otherwise, what was the point of them going? So... Uh... There is that. I can't remember this. I might have got this actually wrong at the top of my head, but I don't. I think Salah, Firmino, and Mane have only started two of the last ten Champions League games. I think it's that. It's either two of ten or two of twelve, uh, and we can I can check that again later. But for example, they didn't start. They didn't all start against Porto, did they? Because Jota started. They didn't start against Milan because Origi started. They started the second leg against Real Madrid. They didn't start the first leg because Jota played. Uh, and I can't remember before. I can't remember the Leipzig ones. I think one of the Leipzig ones they didn't play. And then you go back and you go, you know, as as Theo calls the midget land. The um, the two games against them are pretty. They didn't start them, did they? Because I think Minamino started both of those. They already threw the second one, weren't they? Yeah. So and and the, and Atlanta away, Jota started. Atlanta home, Arigi started. Ajax at home, I can't remember. So. Basically, that, I'm not even sure what my point is. Uh, I mean, <laughs> my point is, is that will there be changes? If there are, we shouldn't be surprised. 
we shouldn't be surprised because they do tend to change quite a bit in these group stages. And the United game is the bigger one this week. But as, as you said, Matt, there's five days to go. And we thought against Porto they might make loads of changes. And they didn't. So it will be probably strongish. And, you know, as Theo pointed out, there'll be clues that Robertson and Trent got subbed quite early against Watford. So you can kind of piece together most of the team. But I do think that, as I said before, draws a good result. I think they'll be quite happy with that. I think the second game against Atletico comes in between games against Brighton and West Ham. And then it's the international break. So I don't think that they would be construed as being more difficult games than, say, for example, they played when they played City last time before they played Porto. And I can't remember what the game was. But Brentford, that was a tough game to see Brentford. So there is that. I think, I think they'd be more likely to change for the home game, to be honest, against Atletico. I think they'd be quite strong in this one. Right then, let's pick our teams for the game. Gorsty, I'll come to you first. We know that Alisson will be back in goal. Obviously, we know we've spoken about the, the two fullbacks coming off early against uh, against Watford at the weekend. Does that then make it the back four being the usual back four? Yeah, usual back five, I think. Um, don't see no reason to change it too much. They weren't really overworked, really. It was a bit of a slippers slippers on afternoon for, uh, for the centre-backs. So, uh, yeah. Um, Matsup once again and, and Van Dijk Theo is that the, the same for you I mean it's it's five subs as well we should probably mention that in this one so whoever does start doesn't necessarily mean they're going to play the, the entire match either um, the only change you would consider is if you want to bring in Canate or Gomez but the fixture list has been kind to Liverpool on these ones Like I know they normally hate having these early Saturday kickoffs, but that has given them extra time to recover for this one and they have got that extra day with it being on Tuesday to return for United. So, yeah, Van Dijk and Matip back to their best. Got that form partnership going. They definitely seem to be the first choice duo at the moment. I think when they last played Atletico, it was Joe Gomez with Van Dijk. And I'm not saying Gomez was at fault for the struggles they faced in that, but Matip definitely seems to be the informed partnership. I think Canate is more one for the future. There are other games where you're going to give the centre-backs... Um, a bit of rotation, but when you go into one of your toughest games of the season so far, you want your strongest defence, and that is the, the tried and trusted, what we're seeing most of the time at the moment. Yeah, tried and trusted for you as well, Doyle, and if it is, you might as well talk us through your midfield. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, I do think, it, obviously, it's Alisson, Trent and Robertson. Centre-backs is interesting. I think he'll play Van Dijk, but he won't play Matip, and I think Gomez will come in. Purely because Matip, I think, has played more games this season. I think than the last three seasons combined. That's not true. Um, <laughs> just made <that> up. <laughs> but, he's, but the point being is that he's he's played a lot of games this season already, and he has been Liverpool's best defender. But I think the United game is bigger than this one. And if there's one player who they won't want to take any risks with, it's it's it's, it's Matip. So there's that. In terms of midfield, well, Fabinho will play. Then after that. Not entirely sure, to be honest. I mean, there's obviously there's no Elliot, there's no Jones, and there's no Thiago. Don't think Oxley Chamberlain. Don't think he's good. Although I thought he did quite well when he came on. Actually, he looked like he was determined to prove a bit of a point, and did have a hand in the in the fifth goal. Don't think he's quite there. So, well, to be honest, Milner, can you see him getting through another? I don't think so. So it looks like the midfield will be Fabinho, Henderson, and Cater. Yeah, I think that's my midfield definitely. Ghost, you said before that that Cater had done well on Saturday and. I suppose it, it makes sense to, to keep him in there then. Yeah, it does. It, it should do. The only worry I might have was the fact that he played three times for Guinea, um, but I think only one of them was 90 minutes. But 
given that we know how kind of susceptible is susceptible navigator is to minor knocks be worried about giving him a, a fifth game in what nine days or whatever but um if we're talking about form alone then yeah he has to be in there based on saturday and and fabinho and henderson alongside them I think part of my thinking as well, Theo, would be I'd quite like to see James Milner on the pitch at Old Trafford. I'm not quite convinced that he can play three games in a week. So I think that probably leaves you with, with Cater. Are you in agreement? Yeah, it's one where if I'd been choosing a team for Watford, I'd have thought Oxlade-Chamberlain would have started that one so you can save Naby Keita for this one and so you can save him for Manchester United. Um, but he did start the season well and it was only because of the form of Harvey Elliott that really he dropped out. Um, when he's fit and he's playing well, makes sense to keep him there. Um, I think I did a piece during the international break where it was a surprise that Jordan Edson actually played um, further forward in midfield until this season, since like the Everton game when Van Dijk did his ACL. So while it's good that he's uh, showed a bit of form as a number six again, maybe it's still taking him time to get back to his best in that more advanced midfield position. We've seen that so far this season. So maybe he'd be one to drop out for a, a James Milner because you don't have many other options there. But because of the lack of options, you would think it is going to be Henderson keeping his place with Cater and Fabinho. And then it's just hoping they get through it without any injuries. Like you mentioned earlier, they've got five subs. So if Liverpool are what, in the hour mark, they're winning, or even if they've got a draw, that's when you maybe bring on James Milner for half an hour, or you see what Alex Oxlade-Jamelin can do, or you swap to a 4-2-3-1. But with the options they've got, that, that does seem to be the, the trio to choose. And in terms of the forward line, I had assumed that Diogo Jota would start this one, Doily, given that he didn't start at the weekend. But given what happened, you can't really take Roberto Firmino out, can you? Yeah, I just want to go back to my midfield, actually. There's a couple of points that, one, James Milner plays so often in these games, it's ridiculous. Like these big Champions League games he plays. Having said that, I don't think he will. But I've forgotten about Cater, and he's played the three games in six days. So I actually think that Cater won't play. I think Oxley Chamberlain will start. Is what I, that's my opinion. I think he's waited long enough for another game. And as we've said before, okay, it's not a game. Okay, like the league games where you always think just the way things are at the moment, Liverpool need to win. This is not a game Liverpool need to win, if that makes any sense. And I think with the five subs, I think Oxley Chamberlain probably merits and deserves to have this opportunity. And as been. As was reminded, it was Dan, wasn't it, on the podcast, said it um, on Friday that in that game against Let's Go at Home, the game that everyone forgets, is that he was absolutely brilliant in that game. So I think possibly there is a there is a call for him to play. So I'm going to change it to uh, Henderson, Fabinho and Oxlade-Chamberlain. And up front, yeah, it's going to be Mane, Mane, Jota and Salah. I'd forgotten who the other player was there. Sleep with a drop in then. <laughs> <Got him. laughs> uh, yeah, just in terms of the midfielder, I suppose Naby Keita going back to Madrid. He maybe wasn't at his best the last time he headed to Madrid, so certainly one that he'd want to improve on. But just in terms of your forward line, Gorsty, Doyle has, has dropped the hat trick hero. Are you doing the same? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's too outrageous a shout, to be honest. Um obviously he's just bagged the hat trick and he's gonna be flying, but then you look on the Sunday and thinking he scored two at Old Trafford in May was it and that's the bigger game this week so it's 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 got it's got its merits that one um but I'm not I'm not sure what to do I'm not sure whether to bring Firmino out and bring Jota in or whether to to stick with it um don't know Theo you you have to the to decide and vote I'm not sure <laughs> 
Um, I'd be tempted to have Mane drop out and have Jostra on the left with Firmino up front. Um, I've still got Mane getting subbed at half-time, didn't he, in the, the away leg last time out. Mm. Let's go properly rattled in there and got under his skin, and you know they're going to be trying the same tactics. And that could work either way. Mane could be out there with a point to prove, absolutely tear them apart and have his best game of the season. Or it could happen again. He could lose his head. And we know he can get a bit angry at times. And that's why they had to sub him half time because he'd been booked and they were fearful that he could get sent off. Um, but then, as Doyley's mentioned earlier in this podcast, there is going to be a bit of rotation with the front three. It just so happens at the moment you can't rotate Mohamed Salah because he is that good. Um, we're talking about Oxley chamberlains deserved his opportunity. Well, Firmino's deserved an opportunity too, and he's got his hat-trick, so it makes sense to stick with him. Um, so, yeah, Jota can come in against his former club, and Sadio can sit out and then prove uh, the Jurgen Klopp wrong against Manchester United. Let's do that. Yeah, whoever sits out, I'm sure, will want to prove a point when they come on. And as we said, the five subs means that they almost certainly will. But that is our team then. Just before we go, we'll do our match predictions. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw, I think. Gorsty, I'll come to you first on these. How do you reckon it might play out? Yeah, I'd, I'd take a draw on this one. I think it's going to be really difficult. I think the Simeone um, <clears throat> call for the fans to basically create as big an atmosphere as they can, didn't he? And, he, said, and he, he actually said that he thought that they were already winning because of the atmosphere that they created last time out. So it's a difficult one. Liverpool went there as the, the best team in the world in March 2020, and they're not quite at, at those levels yet, although they have been excellent this season. So I'll take a draw. Doherty, I'll come to you next. How do you reckon it might be? I think you know a draw seems to be a, a popular result. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost, but... Mm. I would be slightly surprised if they won. And he certainly won't be scoring three away from home again, that's for sure. I was um, going to say three all. I'm going to go with minus one all. <laughs> 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 no, I think, I think, I think, to be honest, I think, I think it's one all. It's one all. Yeah, one all written all over it, Theo. Yeah, it's not exactly a game that Liverpool have enjoyed scoring in in the past. Uh, one all seems to be the safe bet. Uh, as long as they don't concede after four minutes again, then uh, you'd like to think it'll go a bit better than last time. Yeah, one all certainly wouldn't be the worst result in the world for Liverpool. And we'll have all of the reaction to the Atletico game across the Liverpool Echo, liverpool.com and your Blood Red channel. As usual, over the next few days, we'll be back to assess the game on Friday's edition of the podcast as well, which will also be a big preview of the game against Manchester United on Sunday. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, Paul Gorst, Ian Doyle and Theo Squires. Until next time, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.